When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From a network of highly secure, top-secret locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast. It is brought to you this week by Taco Palenque, where you can get the best fajitas in Texas. Stop by any of the Taco Palenque locations and try the limited-time chicken out pastor quesadilla, quesadilla and pirata. Don't forget to pair it with an ice-cold frozen margarita. Try the lime the mango chamoy, and for a limited time, our favorite, guava. Taco Polenka keeps San Antonio cool and well-fed and is the best pre- or post-game meal for watching the Spurs. How about that, guys? We got a sponsor. I did the read. How do you think that went? Excellent. I think you should do it again. You should try it again. I think I think, I think, think I did a decent job. And it was, I'm proud, it was to, a whole I'm proud to read it. Ordinary. A Hall of Fame-worthy sponsor. Love the Piratas. I, I I can stand by that. For a Hall of Fame podcast, we're going to talk about Pau Gasol. We're going to talk about Dirk Nowitzki. We're going to talk about Becky Hammond. And also, Tony yep. Parker and Greg Pavlovich going into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame this week. Saturday night will be the induction. Friday morning at the Casino press conference that's going to be greg popovich's highlight of his hall of fame weekend uh what are you guys looking forward to the most about this sort of ritual that spurs fans have gotten used to in recent years with with tim duncan and motto ginobili going in the past couple of years i think it i think for spurs fans it will be a nice sort of night to reminisce and and get the whole gang back together again um uh, you know all the, all the key players, key key faces from the the, the championship era. I mean, it, it kind of to me is just sort of the in a way a capstone of that whole era when you've already got Duncan in there, you've already got Manu in there. Uh, for for Tony and Pop to go in together now, it kind of completes the set, so to speak. And I think it'll be a night for Spurs fans just just to remember the good times. I mean, it, it has been that way when when Tim was inducted last year, when Ginobili was inducted. I think we'll get another nice dose of that, just just remembering the the good old days. And I, I think it'll be a, a nice nostalgic night for everybody um, involved and for fans watching at home. And I think um, you know there'll be a lot of goosebump moments, maybe some tear jerking moments, um, and it'll be a good time. It kind of uh, also underscores the the franchise's international flavor. Uh, with Tony Parker and Angus Saul and Pop's, uh, you know, groundbreaking work um, as far as bringing international players to the NBA, and then, of course, Becky Hammond. You know, that's that's another. I know they they never want to say that it was intended to be groundbreaking, but it was. It was her work as a an assistant coach for eight seasons. So it kind of also, um, you know, points. Uh, to those accomplishments by franchises that's been so inclusive over the years. 
the the Becky honor is kind of awkward because yeah, she's going in as a player. She's but... going in as a player, uh, but you know, the, the her whole body of work has to play a role in 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 uh, who goes in and who doesn't go in. I'm not sure that this would have happened. Maybe it would have happened eventually for her as a player, were it not for his, her post uh, playing career accomplishments. But it, you you can sort of honor the whole thing uh, yeah, in addition to, to her being a player. Everything changed for her in San Antonio. Not only, you know, she was an all-star with the Liberty, but she became a Hall of Famer with the Silver Stars. And then, of course, she met Pop. Uh, she's not here. You know, she doesn't meet Pop. And, and so it's it's the whole ball of wax, you know, for her. And I was remiss in the beginning because of the new sponsorship read. I did not introduce everybody. I think the listeners of the Spurs Insider podcast, who we are now, but... That was Tom Warsborn, Jeff McDonald, Spurs Beat Writers. I'm Mike Finger, your host, just for the newcomers that are here for the Piratas. Um, another, we, we will, we'll save the main attractions for later, but there's Becky. Her, I mean, totally worthy as a player um, for her on-court accomplishments. Uh, everybody knows, became the first full-time uh, female assistant in NBA history, uh, now has become a successful WNBA head coach in her own right. Um, another Spurs tangentially uh, uh, relevant honoree is Pau Gasol, who did not have his best years with the Spurs, but was but was a fine Spur for the most part, right? Well, he, you know, I'd, I'd say he was the most underappreciated player on maybe one of the most underappreciated teams that, that 2016-17 team that reached the uh, conference finals, Western Conference Finals, you know, 61 wins. Um, and as we all know, we were there, the three of us, uh, in Oakland when they were up by as many as 25 points in that uh, first half against the, uh, against the Warriors until Kawhi got hurt. I mean, that was a really good team. And uh, he played, that was his best season in San Antonio, two and a half years. Uh, but yeah, he had a great season that year. He came up huge in that in that Rocket series that got them to Oakland. That exactly. Year. Yeah. Especially the you know the the final game when um, you know uh, uh, Parker was hurt and and Kawhi was hurt. You know he came up really big in that game. It was a big Lamarcus Aldridge game. Yeah. Big Lamarcus Aldridge game, and Fogasol played well there. That he his his whole tenure in San Antonio kind of had this cloud over it in that um, people thought that the contract wouldn't he, he had his contract renewed like the, the he was already kind of on the backside and it was this awkward moment in Spurs history of like are, the, are they going to continue to keep vying for championships and is this the person like are, 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 are we going to cling to the last vestiges of these of these veteran players like Marcus and Tony and Pau Gasol at the end there, but I mean that that ended up not really killing them. I, I that was my argument all along that that money probably was not going to be spent anywhere else. Uh, did it help them to resign him? Uh, probably not, but I don't think it killed anything either. Uh, he was a he was a great Hall of Fame worthy player throughout his career. His highlights were elsewhere, obviously, but I don't think that there should be any 
kind of downside remembered about his San Antonio time. Like you said, he played he played a big role on a good team and, and a good team. Hurt. It yeah. might be his it might be his biggest impact on the Spurs was getting traded from Memphis to the Lakers in two thousand eight because that sort of was the thing that made the Lakers title worthy again. And I I think we all remember Pop uh sounding off on that trade when it went down. He did not think it was a it was a good trade. I think he said something along the lines there should be a uh, there should be a, a committee at the league office that rescinds such foolish trades. Um, but the Grizzlies got uh, Marcus all out of that trade. So I don't in retrospect, maybe it wasn't just the, the whitewashing that it appeared at the time, right. but I think, but that, that trade is, I mean, one of the key reasons the Spurs were unable to repeat as champions in 2008 was uh Al Gasol going to the Lakers, joining, joining uh, Kobe Bryant there. And, and um, yeah, that that's, probably that's probably his biggest impact on on spurs history is uh you know negatively in that in that respect another another impact he got on spurs history uh, in the locker room at least is um gave the longest longest answers i've ever heard in spurs history i and think he's still looked, doing his introductory press conference as we speak and <laughs> always always looked out for tom Morrisford. always looked out for tom Morrisford. He, he wouldn't leave without making sure tom Morrisford didn't need him and it was remember? so heartbreaking. It, it was heartbreaking at times when, you know, at the end when Powell wasn't playing that great. And it was like, you don't need to talk to everybody in the locker room after every game. And uh, Tom would have to say, Tom would have to say, yeah, Powell, I'm fucked. You know, you, and you can Powell leave. Powell looks so but, forlorn. Like when he looked at you, like, you need me. And you're like, no, that's good. And you're used to players being like, yes, I'm off the hook tonight. But Powell just like, get this hangdog look like a, like a, Lost little puppy. I felt bad for him. Sometimes I just talk to him just to make him feel better about himself. I think um, one of the happiest uh, worst moments, you know, individual player being so happy uh, came when he had a triple-double against the Kings in Sacramento and I was at that game. He wanted that so badly, you know, and he was just thrilled when he got it. Uh, it was just a, it was a good moment to see a guy you know, I know, you know, he, he paid attention to his stats maybe a little more than he should have, but it was fun to see him get that and, and be so happy about it. I think he gave a 30-minute uh, press conference after that game, and there were two questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is about right for him. But uh, a highly cooperative guy who looked out for the oh, media. Yeah. That, that was factual, yeah. Yep. Um, Segway here into another guy who had his media moments, who would often uh, offer injury updates, what have you. That's not the biggest part of his legacy either. But one, Tony Parker, who up until a couple months ago uh, was the the French connection for the Spurs. Now that's been added to. But um, probably a pretty satisfying thing for Tony. And a, like, like Jeff mentioned earlier, a fun look back at the big three era that is kind of wrapping up now and Springfield, Massachusetts. How do you, how do you sum up the Tony Parker experience? I, I think it's fitting that him. I think it's fitting that he and Pop are going in together because they're, um, they're, they're just so intertwined. Those two, just the, those stories of Pop just eviscerating Tony early in his career, throwing him out there as a 19 year old on a team that you know he wasn't. Tony wasn't didn't join a lottery team. He was playing a, a team that was you know built to win championships and thought it should be competing for tech championships. He was joining David Robinson and Tim Duncan and, and 
Pop throw him out there like five games into his rookie season as a 19-year-old from France and just let him get his butt kicked a little bit and let him screw up and let the veterans glare at him. And nobody um, nobody got on him harder than Pop. He was sort of the, the – he was almost infamously the whipping boy for the longest time. Um, but, you know, I've talked to some of the, the, the veterans that were on those um, – those that first Tony Parker team, and they said like we didn't know if we should. Steve Smith was one. Said we didn't know if we should step in and say, "Pop, come on, man! Like, like he's nineteen. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, chill out a little bit." And I also thought it was funny. Um, that's the first thing people like Jason Kidd, Chauncey Billups. You know, we talked to them during the season about Tony going to the Hall of Fame, and they'd say, "You know, you'd be playing the Spurs, and you could hear Pop just lay into Tony." And it was it was meant to test his metal and to to see see what kind of mental toughness he had. And he came through with flying colors. And by you know 2007, Tony Parker's the first European-born MVP of the NBA Finals. And by the early 2010s, you could argue he's certainly on the short list of the best point guards in the game at that point. So he he built himself uh, with with Pop, you know, riding his behind um, his derriere. Um, built himself into a Hall of Famer that way. And I don't think anybody thought he was a Hall of Famer coming in to the draft. They thought he might be a nice little, you know, speedy point guard. I don't think that's really what people thought he was going to be, but he darned if he didn't become one of the, one of the all-time greats. And they don't win the titles in 07, probably maybe 07, but 14, I don't think they win without him, even though he wasn't the MVP. Um, I think he would have been the MVP in 2013. Yeah, uh, had things yeah. gone a little differently. Yeah, hit, hit right. one of the all-time great NBA final shots that was immediately overshadowed. Yeah, by Ray Allen. Um, yeah, uh, had a really good series. And you talk about Pop uh, being on him from the very beginning. It was even before the beginning, famously. Yeah, you're uh, right. You're right. Pop, Pop didn't want the first look he had at him after you know Sam Presti and RC Buford are championing this this. Uh, teenager from France to be a first round draft pick well they bring him in for the for the workout and he just gets absolutely schooled by uh, Lance Blanks Pop, um, Pop, thought, who we... Pop, thought, Pop thought Tony was too the first workout Pop thought Tony was too um, too cool too full too maybe a little full of himself um, they, didn't... they didn't play well and that's they, they uh Presti and RC convinced Pop to give him another look and brought him into the second for the for the second workout, and that's when they summoned Lance Blanks to try to whip his butt, I believe. And yeah, Tony took it and came through that, and and Pop saw enough to to um, sign off on the draft pick. I think a a funny sort of um, melancholy side note to that. I was talking to RC after. We tragically lost Lance earlier this summer. Lance, a really good guy, former Texas player, um, Longhorn Network announcer, ESPN announcer, um, and kind of reminiscing on the, that first workout, RC kind of noted Lance was trying to win a job because <laughs> Lance was kind of his his career was over. He was almost thirty. Uh, he might have been thirty at that time, um, working in the front office, and he thought that if he could beat the guy that one-on-one that Spurs were considering drafting in the first round that the Spurs wishes this person give him a contract. So that was just to be a fly on the wall for that workout. I bet was something else to have seen that. And uh, it all worked out. Like you said, uh, Tony showed 
pop and the whole organization that he had some heart that he could come back from kind of taking a beating and uh and pop admitted over the years you know it was it's not just us saying that pop was hard on pop has said that over and over and over again uh it was probably too hard to him he should be arrested (laughs) for how he treated tony barker is the line yeah well you know speaking of his toughness i mean those drives to the basket over and over again where he'd, he'd, he'd go down hard on the floor you know bounce back up and then late in his career you know he had that um what was it a quad injury uh well, yeah he, like tore his tore ligaments yeah. and all kinds of stuff yeah against the rockets in the mono block talent worked yeah. hard black uh i mean yeah very very series. underrated as a tough player oh he's one of the toughest toughest players yeah. i've ever been around covered i mean uh, you could say that about a lot of the stars from that era and also, I think much like Ginolio, we talked la- last year when Mono went in, we talked about how he sort of changed or added to the game with the Euro step. Um, Tony was really one of the first guys to, to do that teardrop. I think he's the, he might be the guy that popularized it. So he is also a guy that sort of has a has a lasting stamp on on the way the game is played out. It's, it started off, he was just so fast, he, he could get by the guy, anybody in front of him. But he gets he gets so close, he, you know. He, before he gets to the rim, somebody would come over and and knock him over, or foul him, or block him. I mean, there was a, you were allowed to do that a little bit more uh, early in his career. So he had to develop ways to get the ball in the basket without getting all the way to the rim. And that teardrop was one one of the. I mean, that that really took him to another level. And then when with Chip England, uh, he developed that mid range jumper that became pretty deadly. Like he started as a guy oh, who didn't right. think. You didn't think could shoot. I mean, you would go under screens and just let you just let him shoot uh, early in his career. By that, by the time he got that mid-range jumper down, that's where his career took off, and he became one of the best. I mean, he was he was an MVP finisher at some point in that in that run. So he was he became one of the best players in the league, and maybe been probably the best player on the Spurs for a little while there, um, based on putting all that together. I don't have the numbers on it right now, but there were seasons when. You could look at the the, the NBA leaders and points in the paint, yep. and it would be like Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard and you know big guys like that, uh, and and Tony Parker. Tony Parker would always be in there because he was getting in there on the littlest guys on the court and getting to the rim over and over and over again. Uh, that was partly his speed, partly just he had a knack for being able to finish in there. And he uh, became crafty like over the years, like he became getting, a very crafty right. player as well, and getting hammered a lot. Yep, 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 um, and you know the the, the like you said, two thousand seven NBA Finals MVP could have was well on his way in twenty thirteen. Played a huge role in twenty fourteen. A lot of those championships are he, he he was he was integral. And you know you you talk about the one in 03 when Speedy Claxton kind of came in and and had to relieve him a little bit. I mean, what what is Tony Parker at that time? Twenty. Like yeah, uh, you know, sort of, a, sort of understandably, he he helped get them there, and no, he didn't win that title. But I mean, for that to be the the knock on you in your career that you didn't play great at your first NBA Finals, you know, in your second year in the league, that's that's and uh, anyway. first, and your team won anyway. That's that's something else, man. What a what a career. Um, and you know, you look at the Hall of Fame classes over the years, and and we've mentioned this. You know, like this year, I think Gene Cady's going in a college coach. There's all kinds of active college coaches that are already in the league. One coach that 
had not been in until now was the all-time leader in in uh, victories in the NBA, Greg Popovich. The reason he's not going in until this year is because he was going to wait until all three of those big three are in. Now that Tony Parker is in, Greg Popovich allowed himself to be nominated and elected along with him. And, um, you know, but how, how do you even start to sum that up of, of a guy who could have been in the Hall of Fame 10 years ago, now going in? I think that, I will say, I think that he will enjoy the night as much as yeah. he has this reputation as this codger who, you know, is, is down on everything, who, who, who's just this, uh, this bitter guy who doesn't want to talk about himself. I think he will enjoy being honored, being around all those guys, being welcomed, welcomed into the club, reflecting on maybe not himself, but just the whole journey with the, with the Spurs big three and, and going back to his days. He'll have his Air Force guys around. I bet he'll have his Pomona Pitzer guys around. Um, it should be, I, I think he'll enjoy that. I thought a lot about pop and the big three and their, their individual stories. And now like each of them are sort of unlikely hall of famers. When you think where they basketball hall of famers, when you think about where they came from and where they started, you know, they, you know, how does, how, how do you find Manu in Argentina and how do you find Tim in the Virgin islands? And if he doesn't become an Olympic, you know, if Hugo doesn't wipe out his Olympic pool, how does how does he become you know how, they just come from Tony and Frank like they all come from different um, places that that it seems like almost needle in a haystack to find them and Pop is kind of the same way I mean his story is just so uh, you just there's no other resume in coaching history like it I mean even taking out the Air Force part and the the uh, <laughs> the CIA part or whatever the spy part um, the military part I mean you know. Air, an assistant at Air Force, first real head coaching job is a Division Three job. Kind of links up with Larry Brown as an unpaid assistant for one season, and and that's that's the thing that gets him in, gets his foot in the door in the NBA um, when Larry comes to the Spurs. And even that didn't last too too long. Um, that was only a few seasons before he was fired. Went to work one one or two seasons for Don Nelson at Golden State, and then. Uh, is hired back this basically this no name to be the general manager and i remember you know it's like you're hiring a former assistant coach to be your general manager that doesn't make any sense at all but um you know the spurs believed them believed him believed in pop at the time and then it just sort of um took off from there and you know there were bumps early we we all know the stories about how he was almost fired um in his, in his in the in the second second full season when the the team started so poorly, um, but just to think about how a Division three coach from Pomona Pitzer could end up the all time winningest coach in NBA history, I mean you don't see that happen very anywhere that kind of story is you 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 just don't so I think that that's really interesting it's just it's a really interesting story pop pop's journey it almost it also almost didn't start from the start. Um, I was gonna. I was gonna say right. <laughs> when Larry Brown came came on board, he asked for a lot, and Red McCombs gave him a lot. And one of the last, one of the very last things he asked for was another assistant coach by the name of Greg Popovich. And and Red had almost reached his limit. It's like I've given you, I've given you a ton of money, 
I've given you a ton of freedom. I've given you what you wanted for as far as assistance go. Now you're asking me for one more guy? <laughs> and, and who is it? Oh, Division Three guy. And what's his name? Pop, oh, pop, what? what? <laughs> but but uh, Red finally said yes. And, you know, that's just interesting from the start. And it, it almost didn't happen. He easily could have said, hey, no, I've given you enough. But... Um, so yeah, that's an interesting story that Red Red enjoyed telling uh, through the years. Well, there's the other little piece that was skipped in all this between the Red agreeing to hiring him mm-hmm. and, and between mm-hmm. and and before the Pop nearly get, getting fired before that Rockets game uh, in his second year was the fact that Pop started his head coaching career in the NBA probably with as much animosity from his fan base yeah as oh, there's God. ever been like there yeah. was a, there was a segment of first fans that were outraged that the general I mean, manager fired it, the coach and replaced him with himself it, you think about it, it, it is outrageous it, it is outrageous go ahead tom you were you were uh, covering the well, team at that point how would you well, sum up a, kind of the vibe it wasn't a good look in the media the late kevin o'keefe uh really hammered uh, hammered the Spurs and Pop for that move, but Kevin wasn't alone. I mean, it was, yeah, it, it, it was coming from all corners, you know, not only locally but nationally, and uh, yeah, it was it was vicious. Yeah, I think the, I think the big thing there, and Tom, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that the players were on board with it, though. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, David, David being the most prominent among them, and 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 Sean, of course. I mean, they were all they were all behind him. Avery, yeah, it, but it, David's David's support was key because he was everything at that at that time. It's it's still silly, like relitigating something that happened twenty five years ago. Uh, but a, a couple of things y'all brought up: the players being on board. Um, also, you look at those the way the Spurs kind of exited some playoff series before that, even when when David was healthy. Like those losses to the Rockets uh, oh. were not fun for anybody in San Antonio yeah. back in those days. Like no. Bob Bob Hill, and Bob Hill probably deserves no blame for that. Um, and so when you add it all together, as we all know, Pop is not a stupid person. He had to realize how this move was going to look when he made it. That he's uh-huh. going to fire this head coach, replace him with himself. He understood mm-hmm. that people were going to criticize him, and right, right, right as David was coming back from an injury, too. Right as David was coming back from an injury, he he knew how bad it looked, but I think he also recognized, hey, this needs to be done, and if someone needs to take the public flack for it, like that, I guess this is a this is we can segue into another part of Pop's personality. But he's always been fine taking criticism. He he doesn't mind having people kind of question him, and it started from from that moment he said i'm going to take over because the players are on board with it and it's going to look bad locally it's going to look bad nationally i'm going to get some grief for taking over for bob hill i will take that bullet because it cool. needs to be done and uh it ended up being exactly what the spurs needed i mean as um, it turns out as it turns out greg popovich the general manager made one of the greatest coaching hires in nba history he did <laughs> he did um, one that was universally lampooned, kind of criticized at the time. Panned. Um, panned is a good word. Panned. 
P-A-N-N-E-D. Um, what, what, how about just the, um, Popovich, the grump, um, reputation and we've all experienced it over the years, but there's, there's so many dimensions. There are layers upon layers, Greg Popovich. How, how would we, you kind of, I think we figured it out, figured out over the years that it's mostly an act or mostly a, uh, shtick a little bit, or at least some percentage I'll, of it is. I would say act is, is not maybe the best word, but um, he definitely plays up the grump, the old caustic uh, Some of it is of just personality. Himself, I believe. Yes, it is. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, he also just has, he is able to do what a lot of us would love to do. And I mean, by us, I mean the three of us and by all the listeners out there by everyone in the world would love to be able to go through life basically when they hear something that they think is bs to call it bs and and when they hear someone around them act like a fool to basically say you're being a fool like pop has built up the capital and the resume to be able to if someone asks him a stupid question to say that's a stupid question most of us can't do that in our daily lives he sort of has the ability to do that and i think he gets a kick out of it um, is that, is that like a reasonable summation of this or not? No, it's very reasonable. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he makes you better. I mean, he makes you think and, uh, um, yeah, he makes you make, you know, he, he makes you a better reporter. That's for sure. You gotta be on you your toes to... around him. How many times in press conferences over the past, we've all been doing this a long time. For the past 20 years, over the past few months, has someone asked a question sitting next to you that makes you just want to slap your forehead and just scream, stop asking such a stupid question? Like, we all admit there are stupid questions that okay. happen in press conferences all the time. Pop just has the ability to point those out and to say, uh, I'm not going to answer that, or that's, that's stupid, come up with something better. And in a way, like, it... I almost appreciate it because it makes people think about what they're going to ask before they ask it. And it cuts down on the really dumb ones that waste all of our time. So, uh, I, I think that, um, you know, you don't want to be rude and there are times when he's crossed the line in terms of being rude. You know, you don't want to, we've all felt like the bottom of, you know, the stuff you scrape off the bottom of someone's shoe sometimes when you're caught on the oh. wrong side of that. And it doesn't make you feel good and you probably shouldn't treat people that way. But for the most part, I think it is kind of a give and take. It is act might be the right word sometimes. He's just playing a role. It's good for TV. As much as um, you know, in the in the days when the Spurs were on national TV, which will be returning sometime soon, uh, when he had yes. to do the live in game interviews, everyone talked about how terrible he was during the in game interviews. But those are the ones that people watch. They were good for TV. Um, Anyway. I can tell you about that. That started as a protest. Like when they Go started, when, when they started, um, when the NBA decided we're going to interview coaches mid-game now, Pop hated it and was on the record hating it, but knew he had to do it. And I yeah. think just figured if I'm really bad at it, maybe they'll make let me stop. I don't know. Um, so uh -huh. that was where it started, but it ended up backfiring because people began to like, oh, what's Pop going to say now? How's he going to do this one? What's well, like, it became like a, I mean, it was it was viral. Some of those with, um, you know, the late Craig Sager or 
David yeah. Aldridge or um, name Lisa your guy. Salters. Yeah. Yeah. Like it became, it became like a, a, a part of the game that fans look forward to. And it, right. I, I think it, I think it began as, I don't want to do this. I'm going to just make it as uncomfortable as possible. And then I think he just sort of kind of leaned into it after it caught on a little bit. I think a lot of, uh, you know, he went into them trying to be funny a little bit. So, yeah, that, that's a good way to, he started leaning into the, the reputation there, uh, midway through his career. And by the way, we've talked about this a lot over the years. Um, the 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 clips that get played and that, that people pay attention to are the ones when he's snapping at a reporter or, you know, being kind of a a, a codger. But for yeah. the most part, he's he, he gives some of the best answers um, that you'll ever hear for a game when he's in the mood. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, for the most part, not to be a suck up here, but you learn a lot um, listening to him answer questions when he's in the mood when he's. Um, uh, cooperative, and that's I, I think probably a majority of the time, maybe fifty fifty. If you count up all the pre games and the post games, and the, yeah, the stops in L.A. and Mem- maybe he's not so great in Memphis, and he's great in New York, whatever. Um, you know, I, I think uh, there he he's given a lot of good quotes, a lot of good explanations, and I think this goes back to um, his speech, uh, which I think this weekend probably will be a good one. I, I think it'll be entertaining. I think it'll be funny. And I would assume the same from, from Tony. Uh, those are going to be some good good speeches to watch uh, at the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame induction, Springfield, Massachusetts, on Saturday evening. Jeff McDonald will be there. Tom Horsborn will be there. I will be there uh, with bells on. Just lovely Hartford. Uh, they, won't, they, won't let be- you wear, they won't let you wear bells to the ceremony. They're distracting. Oh my gosh! I'm not to read. Actually, do you, do you remember last year? Nobody even nobody even looked at our credential walking in. We just walked in the front Don't, door. You should not tell people this because now they're all going to descend upon Springfield and expect it's kind well, of lack security. I think well, they. See. I think they told me that they're they're beefing that up this year. Well, okay, that's okay. As well as at the uh, the casino on the day before, where we go to for the for the press conference. Yeah, that's a fun. two hour press conference. So I think just come get me at the blackjack table when Pop goes on. How's that? Well, well, that sounds like a plan. Uh, Tom, any any closing thoughts on these, this fine Hall of Fame well, class? What's intriguing about Pop now is that he has a chance to finish his career on a real upswing. Um, and, you know, the last several years, he hasn't been appreciated enough for the coaching job he's done. I think that, you know, everyone says, well, he wouldn't have won this, that, the other without, without Duncan, but you know, the, those teams that he got to the playoffs post-Duncan were some pretty damn good coaching jobs. And uh, now with Wemby, it's going to be intriguing to see if he can finish it off on a really, really high note. So, uh, yeah, the, the Greg Popovich journey continues. At the Frost Bank Center. At the Frost Bank uh, Center. At the Frost Speaking Bank of sponsors, Center. I'm kind of hungry. That's... And that's where lunch, I'm. That's where should where should I go for lunch? Do you have a recommendation? Man, you 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 read the cues so well. We talk about a sponsor, new sponsor, naming sponsor for the arena where the Spurs play. We have a new sponsor for the Spurs Insider Podcast, which will be back next week for another August episode. Sponsored again by Taco Palenque, get a pirata. They're they're helping us out. We can help them out, and uh, in the time being. 
between then and now, take care of each other and keep it real.